Hey, welcome to Manalyzing. This is where men talk about the kind of stuff that men don't talk about. Put your hard hat on, get ready for a ride. Here we go. Welcome to Manalyzing. I'm Garth Haslam. In this episode, I'm talking to another one of the coolest dudes in the universe. This guy is uh, TJ McClellan. He's a former Army veteran, and yes, he's got some PTSD, and he's going to talk about that, uh, what happened and what it did to him and what he chose to do about all of the above and how he's managing in in today's environment uh, now that he's out of the military. Uh, you look at TJ, he's a very fit sort of a guy. Uh, you don't have to spend very long with him before you go, man, this is a, this is a cool dude. You know, this is the kind of dude that we all want to hang out with. And this, if you've listened to some of my podcasts before you understand, you know what I'm going to say next. This is a guy that despite the fact that he appears to have everything, he's got demons. Here's the interview. Welcome to Manalyzing. I'm Garth Haslam and uh, we've got TJ McClellan. What does TJ stand for, dude? That's actually my first name. Um, so my parents gave me two letters as a first name. Uh-huh. And uh, they tell me that they were watching a show called TJ Hooker. And that's where my first name came from. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, what's his name? He played uh, captain on Star Trek. Yeah, and that's uh, Will- William Shatner. Yeah, that's right. The overactor. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, I'm glad exactly. my parents didn't give me uh, two letters for a first name because those two letters <laughs> would be GD. Okay, fair. <laughs> and I think I might have been called something like that anyway, but you know, it wasn't yeah. intentional. Um, that's that's funny, Garth. I mean, who names their child Garth? It sounds like you're puking. I. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. Where's that from? Uh. Let's see. Is it? Oh, it's Spaceballs, where it's Barf, <laughs> uh-huh. the dog. is Bartholomew or whatever, is, and it's a Barf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, my name, yeah, I've always hated it. My wife calls me husband because I just don't like hearing Garth all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, and, there is a famous country singer, you know. So There, there is one of those, and he's got mm-hmm. a better hat than me and probably a similar head, and he sings a little better, and I think he's got quite a bit more money. Fair. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, I saw him in concert not too long ago uh he, he oh, knows how to do an so audience cool. yeah well, he's so, been an entertainer for so long just awesome what an amazing guy yeah and it's kind of funny because he's got the best of intentions he had the same price for every seat in the stadium wow and then of course the scalpers come in and they go yeah i'll buy those tickets for i don't know 45 bucks 90 whatever it is yeah and then they sold them to us for 300 Oh, <laughs> gotta love capitalism. <laughs> gotta love capitalism. Yeah, I was like, mm, when there's an opportunity, <laughs> somebody's <laughs> gonna take it. You know, if, but, if Garth wasn't gonna take that, you know, they gave it to you as an opportunity, right. or, or or made you have that. <laughs> I admire him for a number of reasons. Um, the first time I went to one of his concerts, I was way up in the nosebleeds, and the first thing that I noticed him do was he made a point of looking at every eyeball in the audience. You know, there was probably 20,000 people there. Oh, and so he, cool. he made a point of uh, crouching to his knees and just intensely 
I don't want to use the word gazing or staring, but looking mm -hmm. at everybody. It's like, I yeah. see you. I know you're there. Thank you for being here. Yeah. And it was so obvious that that's what he was doing. You know, he, he got some points in my book for that. Yeah. And then the, uh, the second time, you know, we paid the billion dollars to be down on the, um, on the turf. Yeah. And he didn't look at us once. He was all about oh, no. stands. You know, <laughs> oh, I, no. I, I could have thrown a ping pong ball at one point and hit him. Oh, wow. That's close. And, and he never looked at us. And I was like, well, that sucks. And then I realized he's about the guys that, that can't afford the, the, the seats that I'm in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I, for sure. I appreciate him for that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. I've I've never seen him in concert, but that would have been cool to see. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, there's a lot of good things to say about that guy. Let's uh, let's introduce you. So, uh, who are you? What do you do? Where are you from? So my name's my name's TJ McClelland. Uh, currently, I'm the broker of a company called Fitness Realty. So it's a real estate company. We help people buy and sell homes. Um, we just incentivize healthy living lifestyle. So if you guys are ever interested in that, that's all um, what I do is help people uh, foresee their their goals and dreams and help them acquire homes and investment properties and things like that. Are you um, um, you're in the Salt Lake area? Um, so I'm in Utah, Utah County in Saratoga Springs. Uh, okay. We have staff members from St. George to Logan. So we can pretty much service anyone in Utah. Um, so if anybody's ever looking for an investment property or their first house or their downsizing or anything like that, that's what we do. Right. And you and yeah. I go back a thousand years. We've been best friends since second grade, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If second grade was about three weeks ago. Yeah. We're just like fast friends. When I was listening to you in the class, I was like, man, this guy's really cool. And then um obviously we've just been chit-chatting and getting things going so yeah um well my wife just, tells me i'm five so i wouldn't even be in second grade yet but uh <laughs> yeah we met a few weeks ago as uh when one of my home inspector trainees uh well mm -hmm. i got him trained so let's just call him one of my home inspectors so, uh wanted me to do a mold class and i'm like yeah i don't do home inspections anymore why do i want to do this but um, to help him, I showed up and it turned out to be a uh, a good thing because I met you. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And I really appreciate that. And I, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, it's, it's, it's all the things that you do and you don't expect it to mean anything that end up being the most valuable. But the mm -hmm. um, reason I'm going down this road is... I've known you for a few weeks. Uh, we did an interview about a week or so ago where you interviewed mm -hmm. me for your podcast. That's mm -hmm. about how well we know each other. Yeah. And this is important because you know, a lot of these interviews, they, they're, they go deep. They're kind of scary sometimes in ways. And it's not because I vet a whole bunch of people. I bring almost random dudes on and just find out what their damage is. Yeah. And we all have damage. Mm -hmm. All of us. And it's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. I had, uh, as I've talked about in some of the other podcasts, I had my moment where I was planning my suicide. 
Mm. And um, yeah, at this point, I'm pretty glad that that didn't happen. Yeah. But, uh, and, and my phone's going off. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it always goes. <laughs> Who's the bonehead that didn't turn his phone off? So, um, yeah, I, I interrupted you though. I, I keep telling me about you. Let's, let's get these guys to know who you are. Yeah. Um, so a little background about me. Um, I've been married almost 17 years, which is, uh, awesome. Something that me and my wife do on every anniversary is we say, uh, should we try for one more, you know, like, <laughs> should we just keep going or how's this working out? Um, uh -huh. and so we've done that countless years or not countless, but almost 17 years now. Uh-huh. Um, we have four kids together and um, uh, ranging from ages of 15 to three, which is just kind of wild. Um, having somebody in the house that's driving, that's not me or my wife is kind of weird. Um, and so that kind of feels funky. Um, but I've, I've been in Utah for a long time in my life. Um, I was born in Idaho, but grew up mostly in Utah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I actually did nine years worth of active duty military in the Air Force um at a base called seymour johnson which is in north carolina and while i was there um deployed a lot and we'll get into some deployment stories um but uh while i was there i got kind of overqualified so i got stuck at this base um because i saw a lot of my friends um they would get orders and they would go to another base and then they would get orders to come back before i had gone anywhere and so I was kind of sucked there, which was just kind of uh, aggravating or whatever. And then um, there was a time where I started selling real estate out there. And then my mom was like, why don't you sell real estate here in Utah? And so this whole plan came out like, let's get out of active duty military. And uh, my wife was also like, hey, you should take me home, you know, like, let's go back to Utah. And so it was kind of exciting to just make sure that she was feeling like her opinion mattered and, and, um, get her back to where she feels more comfortable. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I'm still in the national guard, so I'm still doing some military service there. Um, I've deployed one time with that unit and, um, done a bunch of like TDYs and stuff all over the globe. What's a TDY? Um, it's like a temporary duty, uh, assignment. So it's like, um, if you did like three days in Spain or a couple days in C Canada, um, so we've just done a, a bunch of tours like that. Um, this particular unit that I'm with, the KC-135 unit, um, they're a tanker unit, which just means they're like a mobile gas station for fighters and other heavy aircraft. Um, and they also do some transport with uh, passengers. I was about to say packs because that's what we call passengers. Uh -huh. so I'm, I'm going to try to like limit my lingo. Um, but anyway, we we can transfer, uh, transport passengers as well, but these tankers go everywhere across the globe, which is very exciting for me because when I was active duty, um, it's a F-15 unit there at Seymour Johnson, which is fighters and fighter aircraft never go anywhere good because they can't, they can't really fly long range. So they need tanker support to get close to wherever we're going to be, which is usually in the desert, mm -hmm. um, you know, cause you have to be close to have that kind of air support. And so when I transferred to this tanker unit, the TDYs got a lot more interesting because it was like, hey, we're going to Guam for 40 days or uh, we got to go to Canada to pick up some packs or passengers. And then we got to go to uh, Michigan and drop them off and then come home. 
or we're going to fly like a Hawaii to Guam to Hawaii and back, you know, so it's just way more exciting to be in a tanker unit because the tankers go everywhere and fighters go to the desert. <laughs> so right. I like this unit a lot better. So anyway, that that's a little bit about me. I mean, uh, I've been running our company for uh, quite a while now, almost five years, um, just doing the family man thing, doing the rental property stuff. I actually converted my whole life to fit that mold now, where instead of teaching it from a book on how to invest in real estate, I'm actually living it. So I'm having the the firsthand knowledge and experience there. Yeah. Um, I saw your, uh, your billboard on the freeway. Yes. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't do home inspections anymore, but I do structural inspections. The difference mm -hmm. is that, you know, I'm a structural engineer. So nice. I drive a lot still. Yeah. Put a lot of miles on the Jeep. <laughs> Bear. Not <bad> Jeep. <laughs> nice. But um, yeah, I saw the, the ad and I thought, okay, that's unique. How do you merge uh fitness with real estate i'm like do you give free passes to your clients to use your gym how does that work great question um one day we want to have an an office next to a gym so people can just go over to the gym that use our services uh -huh. um since we're not there yet we incentivize everybody on our staff so agents that are with me um, if they commit to drinking water, walking more, go to the gym, um, it could be a yoga class or they could pray more or have some spirituality item. Anything to make them the strongest version of themselves qualifies them to get a better commission split from me. Um, and then for all of our general public and our clients, if they commit to doing something of the same kind, uh, whatever it is to make them a strongest version of themselves. Um, they get a commission rebate or a commission discount, which is really awesome. Yeah, that that so is usually, cool. yeah, usually it's a couple grand. So if let let's say a first time home buyer, this is kind of the easiest way to equate it. First time home buyer comes to me and they're like, "Hey, I want to buy my house. I'm looking in the three to four hundred thousand dollar range." Um, and they're like, "Hey, I want to commit to continuing to go to the gym." Um, then we actually give them that that commission rebate right back into their pocket when they close. And so at, on a $300,000 house, they're going to put about $1,500 into their pocket um, in savings just to continue to go to the gym or drink water or quit smoking is one of the ones that's a, a big one that we've had uh -huh. uh, in the past. And so it's just something that really gets people excited to grab their life by the horns and do something different. Right. And they're all incentivized. We're all incentivized by money anyway. So it kind of helps. <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. Yeah. And I'm thinking there's there's a guy in Tennessee who right now who's going, man, why is he not here? And I, I think you ought, to, you ought to franchise that. But uh, that would be a discussion for another day. Yeah. Uh, well, on that topic, we are trying to franchise. We do. Uh, we are looking at Virginia currently and Texas, um, but not Tennessee specifically. But one day we're going to be nationwide um, just because everybody kind of needs something in their life to do that. I mean, kind of piggybacking on what you said earlier about we all have damage. Uh -huh. Some of that damage I feel can be um, like coped with, with uh, becoming the strongest version of ourselves, whatever that looks like. And um, that's what we're trying to promote. Coped you know, with is, uh, is an interesting word choice. Um, 
pretty much every podcast that I do, uh, we men, we're trash compactors. You know, some something nasty comes along and we don't know how to deal with it. We generally can't go to the wife. Mm -hmm. You can't, if you're, especially if you're married, you can't go to any other woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're not going to go to another man. So cope means we shove it down. We're, we're trash compactors and we, and we just keep doing that until the compactor blows up. And then we, we damage either ourselves or somebody else. Always the wrong person, always the person who doesn't deserve it. And uh, then we get labels like toxic or whatever. Um, So cope isn't, uh, you know, cope can be a good word, but you're right. We meant cope and not in a good way. Right. No, I agree. And I think that that, uh, coping for men looks different for everyone you know and i i feel like we tend to use the escape route more often like drinking or working too much or whatever you know like trying to make a disconnect and i think um we really need connection you know so that's why i'm excited to be here too is to just connect and share some things and stories i guess i don't know right yeah you're you're dead on right uh connection is what it's all about uh it's it's hard to connect with Jack Daniels, even though a lot of us try. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there was a time in my life that I was down that road. Um, I used to be a drinker in the past, and um, not that I had anything really bad going on. It just felt felt like my sphere and network. We were all like, "Well, every weekend we're just going to party and black out and try to forget about everything, and then come to work on Monday and just think everything's going to be honky dory and." nothing really changes. Yeah. I did an interview with a guy, Mark, who, um, who was ex-military and he says he would try to make sure that he went, he fell asleep drunk because when that happened, he didn't dream when he did Mm -hmm. dream, he dreamed about, uh, some of the horror scenes from his uh, military days and he didn't want that going through his brain. So he tried to just be as drunk as possible when he went to bed hmm sad oh, and there's yeah it's super sad there's a lot of that actually i feel like um just because the military isn't they're not they're trying to be better about taking care of us um coming back from deployments and things like that but the weight of the mental side i think is so big and we don't really understand that side as well as i think that we want to um and so the the ramifications from the military trying to give us the help we need they're doing their best you know as as good as government can do um but but there needs to be more and that's why i feel like more people should really be um having these kind of discussions so that that's why like i think that it's super important and like your work and what you're doing is super important um creating those connections and letting other people have a a place and a space that feels safe to, to tell their story for one. And number two, to hear other people's stories, to know that uh, we're not all by ourselves, you know, as, as men, like you said, we're trash compactors. Um, It doesn't have to be that way. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know when it actually shifted where we actually just shoved it all down. And maybe society has been telling us for a long time, like you can't, you're not supposed to deal with that. You're just supposed to like, 
push through, never, never cry, never talk about it. Um, and I don't really know when that shifted, but I know, um, in the, in the past, it, I've heard from people that they were able to have their, their buddies or whatever, you know, and have more of a connection. I think the connections are all lost right now, you know, and I don't know where that kind of shifted. And I, I'm kind of rambling on that point, but, um, trying to get it across that, um, really what I, I feel like that people need is that connection and that space to talk to each other without judgment. Right. Right. Um, cause, cause we're humans always judge, you know, like we, we all have that. I'm going to say some stories in here and people will jump to conclusions and judge. And, um, that's just the nature of human, the human nature, you know, like we mm-hmm. are developed that way because we judge instantly. And then the mind can process, you know, it's always the try to keep ourselves alive kind of mentality. Right. You know, so I feel like, uh, the space to connect though is vital. So anyway, I'm just, yeah. uh, happy to be here to talk about it. Let's, uh, let's, let's do that. Yeah. The connection. And by the way, the, uh, the model for the podcast is men talking about what men don't talk about. Okay. And that's pretty much everything. I mean, sports other than that <laughs> right yeah <laughs> that's fair <laughs> so let's uh let's let's go down your road uh you mm-hmm. you want to talk about a moment when you were deployed uh what did that look like and uh more importantly what did what did it do to you so <clears throat> this is kind of weird um when i joined i didn't really no, nobody's like, oh, I'm going to deploy, you know, like that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. But when you join, like that's the, that's the, that's the job, you know, your name's on the dotted line. So when I got in, um, it took about 18 months, almost two years to get trained. And then, um, I was in rotation for my first deployment. So mm-hmm. my first deployment was in 2007 to, um, Bagram Air Force Base. That's in Iraq, right? Um, it's in Afghanistan. Okay. So Bagram's like a little ways out from Kabul, um, separated by some mountains, I think is where the, if you get geographic on it, Mm -hmm. um, but Bagram's a pretty small base, um, in comparison to like large bases here in the U S. So I'd say in, in like area square footage, it might have three miles or it might be three miles across something like that. Anyways, pretty small base. Uh, it feels like an island, and especially when you're a maintainer like I was. So I was a crew chief on F-15s. Um, when you're a maintainer, you don't really ever get a chance to go outside the wire. And at that time, we wouldn't have wanted to anyways because it was um, it, it was definitely war, and that's where you could get killed, of course. And so we we felt like our duty was to serve and provide air support for you know all the military members that were outside the wire um but you kind of get desensitized there because there was a lot of mortars that were coming in and hitting the base um i don't know if i always kind of said every other day it just felt like it was every other day it might have been longer could have been shorter because it just all the time kind of gets weird um because when you deploy you kind of forget about everything else except for working eating sleeping working out and rinse repeat um you know and so there's not really a 
there's not a time where you're like not worried about getting hurt, you know, or getting killed that day, you know. So there's a, it's just always on your on the back of your mind. Eventually, you get desensitized though, because um, there were times where we would have sirens going off that we were getting attacked, <coughs> and um, we would still be marching off to the chow hall because it was like, well, I need chicken and if today's my day then let it be my day it's just part of the cards we drew you know mm-hmm. and that that feels weird to say and i've had people after i say that they're like how can you let your mind get the, to that point where you don't really value yourself and i'm like well it's not that i don't value myself it's that if if the if it's in the cards that day then that's okay i've made peace you know like if it's time for me to see my maker then that's it too you know if it's like if it's me and my buddy and we're both walking and we hear a mortar and we both lay down and one of us goes like that was just the the day. And so when I say that though, um, most people don't know what that feels like. And so they feel weird when I say something like that. And so for people that are out there and when they're listening to this, if they feel weird or if you feel weird about it, um, that's just the, the, the way war and the way the human mind works, I feel like, is you can become desensitized to that. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, from what I've seen, I've, I've not been to war myself, but from what I've seen, that's the uh, that's the mildest of conditions. Um, right. You know, I, I see guys that are going, yeah, I, I killed him, but I had to, so, oh, well. Right. Yeah, oh, 100%. Uh-huh. Um, we, oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say we had a lot of um, so our mission there was to launch and recover our F-15s and they were coming back empty um, of munitions like every sortie, mm-hmm. and, which just means they were dropping every bomb and shooting all of the bullets out of the gun that they could possibly do. Sometimes that was a lot of like tr- they were still maintaining training out there because they still needed to um, fulfill their like requirements of shooting the gun and aiming it and all that but a lot of the time on the other receiving end was a human life you know and so when when you realize okay we just dropped like all these munitions and we all have these we call them bullets um we have these bullet statements in all of our like eprs and oprs that are all like how much good you did for the air force but there are like lines of of bullets in my uh, performance reports that are like dropped 6,000 pieces of munitions or whatever, you know, like I'm just paraphrasing um, while we were in in Afghanistan. And all I can really see now is on the receiving end of that was how many people, you know, which is they all want to kill us anyways while we were there. But so it was a justified cause, in my opinion, to make sure that it doesn't come home. But there was a lot of lives lost and that kind of feels gross you know like the bullet statement on my performance reports is supposed to sound awesome and cool but when you really look at the other side of that coin it's kind of ugly and disgusting and and that's just war right you know and i've been there uh to a very small degree with you uh back in the day as i was bouncing around as an engineer one of the things that i did was i went from uh, working on a on roads and bridges and highways Mm-hmm. to working on um on rocket motors 
Oh, and wow. I started in, you know, in the Pegasus program, and that was a very peaceful thing. And then they moved me to uh, to another another rocket motor. And I realized at that time, if my work gets used, then millions of Russians will die. And mm -hmm. if it doesn't get used, then it was a waste. And I thought, this sucks. Right. Oh, and that's so hard. It was a little bit surprising to me that I actually cared how I earned my paycheck. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I always thought in, in back in engineering school mm -hmm. that it's like you go get a job, you uh, get as much as you can, you come home, you feed your family, you, you buy the car, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, I, I realized that's that's not the case. So so then I ended up uh, ditching all that and doing the home mm -hmm. inspector thing. And that, that was quite a bit better for me because I could see how I could help lives. But yeah, right. I, I get that. You're, there's a certain amount of guilt. Uh, and there shouldn't be. Uh, just being involved in, in that sector because you know that uh, people are dying. Right. But... Yeah, I, I don't want to take that uh, all war is is a problem sort of a mentality because it's not. I mean, right? If there wasn't somebody there to defend, we'd be run by uh, Hitler or somebody right. like him. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. It is like the one of the most essential pieces that we have, but it, yeah, it it definitely serves its purpose, but it has mental and physical restraints, you know, coming back, but. Yeah. Um, this this brings me to though while while I was there, um, um, and this is kind of one of the pieces I feel like every man should really have a person that they can connect with that that isn't their wife that is another man um, that you can really like confide in and share stories and and be vulnerable because I have a buddy of mine that um, we've deployed twice together. And uh, just one of my best friends right now, and his name's Onine. And um, we've always just been able to connect and been able to talk through problems, discuss things with each other, um, talk about issues. And and there was a time when on my first rotation, um, me and him were actually playing video games all the ga all the time in this hallway um, in our dorm room area, or or not dorm room area, but like in our uh, B hut area, which is just it's basically a dog house that we live in. It's just plywood, um, which doesn't give you much shelter, by the way. Just it's kind of <laughs> weird to think like I'm living in this dog house and um, they feel like little eight by eight cells of plywood. Anyway, yeah. it just yeah. feels weird. The The point is, though, uh, my buddy, um, Onine and I, um, we we just got really close together and, and uh, just saw eye to eye a lot on on things and really connected um but i think it was our second rotation there i'm pretty sure um because we were in dorms at that point so our second rotation there we're in dorms we're in this hallway we're always playing video games together uh just really enjoying each other's company and we had this really um just one of those disheartening moments in life when um, when something else happens to somebody else and you feel helpless. Mm -hmm. And so in our dorm room, we had eight of us in there and, um, my bunk mate who slept, uh, right on top of me, um, or right above me, um, 
well, he committed suicide in one of the hangars and in front of his supervisor. And so we had gotten really close with that individual and he was an amazing guy. One of the top QA inspectors, um, one of our good friends, just an amazing person. And he just went off the rails uh, one day while we were there. And I can remember, and it's kind of all fuzzy and weird, you know, but I can remember feeling like we had missed something, you know, and felt like we had not Blamed served yourself. him properly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we had really just felt like it was, everything was wrong, you know, and we still had the mission to serve, which was also kind of crazy because the rest of the world, you know, or the rest of the population at home in the United States needs us to do our mission and complete and fulfill and do the things we're still required to do. But at the moment, um, you know, no, none of us really could do that, you know? And so for me personally, because he was my bunk mate, it really kind of felt weird. Um, they had to actually put me on like a watch detail where somebody had to watch me sleep in the area. Um, which I actually don't know if I've ever said that out loud. Um, but yeah, so somebody had to watch me and make sure that I was okay. And, you know, so it was either security forces or OSI. I can't remember if who, what their job title was. Um, but they had to come in and get all this stuff and they had to get like question to all of us. And um, they always do an investigation, of course, with any uh, death over in the deployed scenario. And it was just one of those times where it really shook everyone in the unit and it really kind of shook the mission for a little while. Um, and that's something that changes you, you know? So I don't know if I've ever been the same since then. I kind of, um, how are you different? Um, I really feel like after that moment, um, I started to look at life as something that I need to really live uh so i don't know it just got different right like when i was before that i felt maybe like a child and after that i felt like now this is real um because i'd had i had had people die in my life before that um like grandparents and stuff like that but i was never as close to anyone except for that guy you know just because i was around him all the time so it was just right. closer than normal what did you uh, do to yourself? I'm sure there was some guilt because there always is, uh, even if you're not involved at all, there's always guilt. But what did you do to yourself uh, after he killed himself? Um, so that's the weird part because uh, me and my buddy, Onan, would just sit in this hallway and we were still just playing video games, but it, it didn't feel like we were doing anything you know like we kind of felt like these weird shells um and it took a little while before i actually like went back to the gym and started working out again and um so the gym you know, is therapy for you oh yeah and that's the gym's always doing. been that way that's why you have uh the fitness realty is because you want that same therapy for everyone else that it is for you yes i actually have never thought about it that way but yeah that really connects the dots. Yeah. 
the gym is your happy place. You want the world to be a happier place. So it's like, <laughs> let's go to the gym. Yes. I have been much happier with the gym. Yes. <laughs> I I met another guy uh, very randomly. His name is Enrique. And he actually, uh, you know, very good looking kid, athletic. He's got more money than I ever will. Uh, times 10. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, on the surface, he looks like he's got everything going. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he told me <clears throat> that he went up um, American Fort Canyon and uh, and had everything all set up so that after he shot himself in the head, the car would roll down the hill and go boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. Hold the trigger. And to his dismay, the safety was on. Oh. And so because that safety was on, I met him, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. But you would never, you'd never think that. And the reason I'm telling that story is uh, somebody introduced him to jujitsu and boxing. Mm -hmm. And yeah. he says once the first, the first time that somebody hit him in the face, mm -hmm. he was hooked. Yep. <laughs> so... Yep, oh, I, I totally think, agree. Yeah, and he's not ex-military, but but there must be something to be said for, you know, not necessarily getting in the face, but maybe, but being in a yep. gym. Yeah, oh, I totally agree. I actually was just having this uh, a similar conversation with my hairstylist, um, and your hairstylist. Do you use the same I know, right? I do. Yep. Um, yeah. well, I actually just go get it cut. Right. But they have this like foil shaver uh -huh. anyway, she's super awesome. Um, but she was telling me that she was stepping down from her manager position. Um, and that she just wasn't able to focus on herself and life was crazy and she was stressed out all the time and anxiety was just really catching up to her. And I was telling her, I was like, me and you are like on completely opposite ends of that spectrum because I just, I don't have, like, I have seen what stress looks like where it's like life, death. And, you know, if we don't accomplish this, people are going to die. Um, so I've like had that extreme. And so now when I have regular problems, I'm like, man, these are whatever, you know, it'll be fine. So when I was talking to her though, I could, I could relate a little bit with what she was saying. Um, but then I told her, I was like, well, um, have you ever thought about doing karate? Because right now I, I'm in karate and I've been taking it for three years and just got my black belt uh, two weeks ago, which uh, for, for me was a goal that I had in mind. I just wanted to attain. Um, but I told her I was like the well, when I said, have you ever thought about karate? She said, I've never really thought about that, but like the discipline, the forms, the mental like aspect. And I said, yeah. And like you get some cardio, you know, you get to actually hit things and not get in trouble. And, um, and I was like, as adults, like, there's a lot of kids that go to this karate studio and this, which kind of brings me to the second person I kind of want to bring up, but, um, there, the karate studio is awesome for kids, right? It's great discipline. It teaches them like how to stand in line and talk about, um, you know, how to sit and listen and things like that, and just get more, um, things that I think old school was really all about, you know, um, where I think new age thinking is a lot of free spirited things, which is awesome. Creativity is awesome, but we also need some kind of um, backbone to that discipline. Anyway, I feel like it's awesome for kids, 
But I'm looking at adults and I'm like, I think this is actually better for adults because we need an outlet that is, you know, where we can sit down, where we can have our mind um, kind of pushed, um, where we can actually do something with our body that's not sitting at a chair or desk, um, where you can actually have sparring in a controlled environment that actually lets you kind of um, get some of those feelings out, you know, that like us as men, like you said, we're always, we're bottling it in. Oh, know, we just push it all the, down. The trash compactor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so for me, like, th- and this is where I want to bring up my, the second person in my life right now, that's just super beneficial and, and a person that I connect with all the time. And that's my karate instructor. His name's Colton. Um, and he just is a person that you can connect with and share things and not be judged. Um, he's had a lot of people judge him in his life. And so he creates this space around him that is like, just come and be you and be, be whatever you want to be. And um, he just makes you feel safe, you know, plus he's a fourth degree black belt. So everybody feels safe around him uh-huh. um, unless you get on his bad side, <laughs> you know, but anyway, the, the reason I bring that up is because I was literally just talking to her and I was like, I was like, more people need this outlet as adults. Um, I'm not saying like karate is the place. It could be jujitsu, you know, it could be whatever. But I think people need to go and find that that space, even if they, they don't have time, like make an hour a week to do something different to make that connection with somebody. Um, a, a little side note caveat to this. Uh, we do a little jujitsu in the karate studio. And so for men to connect with men, jujitsu is pretty dang close. You know, like if you ever want to feel connected and on a different level than just every average Joe, like handshake or whatever, jujitsu gets you closer to most men than you probably think that you want to (laughs) be. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of one of those areas where you have to overcome, you know, some barriers, mental block barriers. You have to really overcome, like, what can my body do? What can my mind do? Um, and so I've done some jujitsu, um, and rolling is, is what it's called or whatever, if you want to get, um, or if you want to say that where you just kind of break down barriers that you thought you had, which frees your mind a little bit, you know? So anyway, I was kind of off on a tangent. Yeah. Good stuff. It's, uh, I want to hear more about your, your instructor, the one who creates a safe zone. You said he's been criticized in the past. It's funny um, that he, you know, I I wonder if maybe he had to have been criticized in the past and felt all that pain so that he would know what not to do. Yeah. Um, You know, for example, and this is is comparing 25 cents to $100, but Mm -hmm. as I was growing up, my dad swore a lot and we all hated it. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and we actually bought him for Christmas what we called a swear jar, and ever you know, and there were different prices for uh, for different cuss words. And mm-hmm. we actually made him put money in it. Which... <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, because I didn't like that personally, I I just don't swear that much. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was like, yeah, that sucks. That's not me. And mm-hmm. and in a way, it was a blessing 
for the rest of us that he got abused that much because then he could go about creating a better world. But um, talk to me about what he, what you feel like when you're around him, what you've learned from him, mm -hmm. uh, who he is and what he makes you. Yeah. So um, I'll tell you how I actually got to that studio because that kind of fits into his personality. <laughs> uh -huh. um, so about three years ago, I was uh, sitting on the internet with uh, like everybody just kind of wondering, oh, what should I look up today? You know, like, I'm just curious about doing something different with my life. What, you know, like, what can I do to just I don't know, create another goal or whatever. I'm always goal oriented. Mine are all right behind my computer. Um, and I was like, man, I've, I've always wanted to try martial arts. I tried like a week of Taekwondo when I was like 24 in North mm -hmm. Carolina and like never went back. I think I deployed shortly after that. So maybe that's why I never actually went. Um, but I like went once and I was like, oh, well, I attempted to go, but I wonder what happened there. So in this last three years ago or three years ago, I was on the internet and I was like, I was like martial arts near me or whatever I did on Google. Huh. And at the time I was living in Sandy. So there was a, a karate studio in Draper, a karate studio in Sandy and a Taekwondo studio, like at the border of Draper and Sandy. And so I sent out three messages to, to all three. Um, and I was like, we'll just see what happens. <laughs> Um, we'll see like who gets back to me first or whatever they offer, you know, I'll make a decision. Mm -hmm. And so Colton, uh, my instructor, he got to, got back to me first. Um, so on the email, he was like, Hey man, it's awesome. Like, uh, we'd love to have you come in. Uh, we do a, I think it was a four week or six week free trial. So this would have been like right after Thanksgiving. And that might've been why I was looking at it. Cause I was feeling fat after Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. That never happens. Yeah. Right. Yep. We can all relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I was like, man, six weeks free. Like that's pretty awesome. And then I asked my oldest boy and, uh, he said he wanted to go down and check it out as well. So I was like, man, two people, six weeks free, like I can check it out, try it. Um, and so we went to like the instructor lesson or the first intro lesson and, the energy that I could feel from Colton, my instructor, while we went to the intro lesson was just unreal, you know, like a great environment, um, a positive atmosphere and just a place where, you know, like I didn't feel like he was judging me at all. And, and maybe that's like uh, he's working on his sales tactic to get everybody in there or or whatever. But at the time I I was feeling like it was like just a positive place because my body is not flexible and I I wasn't like doing kicks and punches the correct way and um but I felt safe there you know like I felt like I could just be my silly goofy self and try this new thing and so um we did the like intro lesson and then one more lesson and I was like I'm hooked I want to sign up for a year. I love this place. I love Colton. Like he was just an amazing person right off the get go. Um, and so I committed to the one year. And so me and my boy went for about nine months, then he quit. Um, but over the last three years, I've really come to know and understand Colton from a personal and a deep level. And for 
for him and how he grew up and everything that he's had in his life to create such an environment where we can just come and be ourselves is incredible. And he would actually be an amazing person to bring on onto your channel because um, yeah. he just has so many cool things to share and how he can get kids to see themselves as a bigger and brighter future than they do is is huge yeah I'm, I'm, it sounds um, i've like never can do that for men too oh 100 which is why i actually feel like karate is more for adults like or it, it could be you right. know if people would take it serious because people feel like if they watch cobra kai or whatever you know they they think they know what karate looks like but that's <laughs> that's not it <laughs> wax on wax off <laughs> right yeah, exactly like, yeah i don't think that entertains me it seems to me that you um you you bought him, not necessarily the boxing or the studio. Yep. Oh, I know 100%. I know one individual, Eddie Villa, and I've interviewed him before. I respect him greatly, and he is the strengths mm -hmm. coach, but he is all about be who you are. Mm -hmm. And just to listen to him give me freedom to be who I am, and that mm -hmm. you know, the only hard part is figuring out who that is. Right. Once you've got that figured out, the freedom it gives you and the power, you know, right. and I know some people, some of them closely who are like, don't do that. You'll look stupid. And my response immediately in my head is I'll do it if I want to, because that's me and I'm me. Nice. And yeah. yeah. And then that results in a confidence that everybody wants to be around. Right. Oh, I totally agree. That part's huge. Confidence in yourself is so big and is is uh as contagious, if not more, than than like anger and negative feelings, you know. I feel like it really breaks through and it's like almost like a light just shining down, you know, you like you can actually spread it. It's pretty cool. It interesting you use that word. I uh I feel like part of my role is to be a lighthouse, to spread it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That, I was hitting it right on the head. <laughs> you were hitting it right on the head. And you know, there's some things that I can spread. There's there's the there's God's light. There is the 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 freedom of just being who you are. Right. Uh, that's that's very empowering. And and you know, I I've been the guy who tried to figure out what somebody else wanted out of me and then tried to be that. And then I would look at them and I was like, did I get it right? Who wants to live that life? Right. No, that's, that's not a good way to live. You know? So how you said your instructor is, what did you call him? What's his name? His name's Colton. Colton. Yeah. What uh, traits from Colton have you stolen that you're using in your gym? Um, well, so sometimes when I see him taking time to teach somebody and to actually help them understand, um, I've tried to adapt that to my own life because a lot of times I'll, I mean, I've, I've trained a lot of realtors, right. To become successful, but sometimes I don't really actually take the time to be as personable as he can be. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I've witnessed him literally help somebody who's you know very young or in our teen adult class um that's really struggling and really kind of help them feel more confident and kind of like what you were saying about the self-confidence like that starts to really 
bolster up everyone around you. And when you see somebody who is like, let's say they're 12 and they become more self-confidence in just their karate line, Uh it, it kind of creates this karate line that gets stronger because, you know, the person that was not self-confident becomes self-confident and then everyone else kind of ups their game. Um, It's really unique to see. And so I've, I've seen that so many times. And so for me, I've tried to adapt that to my personal life now to be more personable and more engaging with somebody that is asking me questions about how to be a better realtor. Uh-huh. Um, but something else that I've really just, um, just loved about him is the ability to just really love people. Um, no matter if they screw up, you know, or they are a different type of person or they're, um, doing whatever, you know, like as humans, we're always classifying everything and, putting everybody into boxes or things into categories. Cause that's just, that's just the way the human mind works. Um, but I've just seen him love everyone that's there no matter what they are, you know, or who they are. And it's just amazing to watch, you know, and, and to see kids that are struggling with everyday life. And now they have all these other problems that, you know, me or you might not have grown up with. Um, and to watch him, foster a relationship with them about being whoever they are going to be um is incredible to watch so i'm I'm trying to do more of that in my own life um because i think it's i think it's vital and it creates that connection that we all need yeah yeah uh doing that with kids is vital um doing it with men is vital doing it with women is vital Yeah, yeah we we all need that but especially us men uh, we suck so bad at uh, disallowing ourselves from connection. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nobody's fault but our own. Yeah. That uh, what you mentioned that that doing jujitsu makes a, makes a couple of guys close. Is that because of a lot of physical proximity? Because you're punching each other in the face? Because you can see each other's demons coming out? Why? Why is that? A lot of all of the above. Um, so as men, right, we've just been told, like, you can't talk about anything um, and you just need to shove it all down. Well, when you're wrapped up with somebody and like, let's say they're in your guard, which just means like my legs would be wrapped around them and I'm like holding them down or they're trying to posture up or whatever. Um, you're in very close proximity. And then there's something that's weird, like, you roll around for a little while um, and you can get tired, right? Um, most people get tired after rolling um, in like 45 seconds, right? Like if you're going all out, most people don't have the capacity um, to maintain that kind of an environment or that stamina for longer than a minute. I mean, you can watch like street fights are usually over in a minute because they're not trained and they don't know how to like control that. Right. Um and plus like adrenaline kicks in and everything. But honestly, like in a rolling or a grappling environment, if you're really going hard, um, you can be wiped out in, in a minute, you know, and that takes you to a different level where, um, I don't know if things get clearer or just stuff kind of falls off when you are exhausted. (laughs) And so I had this moment and I'll, I'll share this real quick. Um, so before I actually started like any jujitsu training, um, 
me and my instructor Colton, uh, he started some jujitsu. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Um, so he started some jujitsu, and so we started some in in the studio. And so he's like, "Hey, let's just kind of roll around for a second. You know, we'll wrestle." Um, and I was like, "Okay, you know, I've done like backyard wrestling as I was growing up. You know, I was never a wrestler or anything." Um, but I was like, yeah, let's, let's like wrestle. And so I, me and him, we started on our knees, just like slapped hands and then started like wrapping up. And, um, I can remember, like, I, I thought I was skilled. I got him into a headlock. Um, but in jujitsu or in just wrestling or whatever, if you have them in a headlock, but you don't actually have a choke, you don't have a submission. Like they can stay in that headlock until you're tired which is what he did. And it took like 40 seconds. And I was just like, completely gassed. I'm like holding him cranking down. And um, I was doing zero things to him like he was sitting there breathing normally, because I wasn't cutting off his airway or the blood supply to his brain or anything like I was just sitting there. And I was like squeezing and just in 40 seconds or 45 seconds, I was just done. So I let go. And he was like, he was like, well, what happened? You know? And so after I like took a lot of deep breaths and came around, we really shared this connection right after that, where he was just like, well, what, what were you trying, you know, and what were you thinking? And, um, and kind of like went into what I was trying to do was just to control him, but I was literally doing zero effort of actual control. Um, your efforts so, of control were just wearing you out. Right. Oh, yeah. That doesn't right. happen I got... in life. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting to have so many different aspects of martial arts and jujitsu in general, where you can actually relate that to, to real life, you know? And so, I don't know, in that moment, I was like, and this was probably like in the first two or three months of actually knowing him in that moment, I was like, this felt different, you know, like it was a place where I could actually say something, you know, like a, have a real conversation. Um, even if it was just about what we had done in that moment of rolling, but it just felt like I was being more open and vulnerable. Cause I would literally told him, I was like, if this was a real fight, you would have gotten up and just started smashing me in the face. And I would have been able to do nothing. Cause I was tired, right. you know, like completely gone. Um, like I just like, I finished and rolled back and just laid there for a second. Cause I, I couldn't, I couldn't get up, you know, like I didn't know what that felt like. And that, to me as men we don't have a space to get to that point usually because in society if you start a real fight you know that gets you to that point but you also cause all these things that might have legal ramifications where if you go to jujitsu and you're in a controlled environment you can get to that point of being some completely exhausted but not in trouble yeah yeah what um have we, what is the darkest moment in your life that you're willing to talk about? Have we been there or have we not been there yet? Yeah. Um, I, I think the darkest moment was that time in Bagram that I shared. Um, I can't really think of other dark times in my life because after that I became one of the most positive people that I can, um, and not, not like tooting my own horn or anything, but I've just but, tried to become positive after that because. I realized that um, that old adage of uh, you can't change the things that you can't control or whatever. I can't remember uh, what that line is, um, but I realized that there were so many things outside of my control that 
I was just going to be positive and have a different attitude about life. Um, and it all actually stemmed from that. Like I can tell, I've told people this in the past where I really haven't been angry except for two times in the last 15 years. Um, and they were both of those times were while I was deployed. Um, but (laughs) then shortly after that was when, uh, my bunkmate committed suicide. And after that, I was just just like, life's worth living and I want to do life. You know, I want to live it and I want to be positive about it because I can't change everything else. And so, um, if I'm going to be negative about it, people were going to be negative around me and that's no way to live. And so I just really changed my mindset after that. And I've had lots of things happen in the past since then that were, that should have been detrimental, should have been like, uh, things that people, uh, talk about and cry about and, you know, the, the things like they should be debilitating, but I've just been in the mindset that I couldn't have controlled those things, you know? And so I want to be positive about the outcomes. And if there was something I needed to learn, what was that thing? And, you know, how can I learn from it and grow and teach people how to do that? I think you might've answered my uh, next question, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, your darkest moment was your your bunk mate committing suicide. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are no words to describe what that feels like. Mm-hmm. But that's your darkest moment. Mm-hmm. How was that a blessing to you? Um, I think to sum it all up, the blessing that came out of that was the people around that situation felt a more or a deeper gratitude to be here still. Um, And I don't know, the blessing I really feel like was for me, it kind of changed my outlook. You know, like there was nothing I could have done differently to outweigh that outcome, right? Because he was determined. um, And that's just the way that the situation went. And so for me afterwards, oh, go ahead. Go go ahead. Yeah, for me afterwards, it was just, I I can't change any of that. You know, like, if I want to stay positive, I got to keep my mental attitude as positive as as possible. And it really stemmed from that day. Yeah, I think you chose to, I mean, you could have chosen to say, wow, he was my bunkmate and I didn't do X, Y, and Z. Therefore, I suck, and I should probably point the gun at my own head and down that road. You didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, instead, you you chose the uh, the side of light as opposed to darkness, and you're like, mm-hmm. I learned from that event, and I'm, I'm going to brighten uh, the universe however I can. Mm-hmm because I'm not going to do that. I, I go, it's very similar in a way to me. I bought, I used to have a diving business where I would mm-hmm. inspect and clean drinking water storage tanks. Oh, cool. A little bit of a niche. Uh, yeah. And then one day, I think I had uh, the state government wanted me to inspect a um, set of railroad uh, structures uh, on the Great Salt Lake. To do that, I had to buy a boat. So I went and, and found a boat that, that would work. And, uh, it was an 80 year old guy that was, that was there. And he said something about his wife. I said, um, 
I said, how long has she been gone? 20 years. I said, how long did it take you to get over her? Mm-hmm. And he said, I think about her every day. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was not married to the woman that I'm married to now. And I'm like, man, I envy you. Mm-hmm. Because that would not have been me. That was that was a, a kingpin moment for me, realizing that I was maybe not married to the right woman or I needed to do something. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, now I don't remember even how I was going to, going to go that back, but it was, yeah. a, it was a time for me when I realized I had a choice to make and I needed to choose, you know, the, the darkness of where I'd been or choose light. Yeah. I like that a lot. I think choosing light just really resonates. I mean, um, cause you can go down the dark path, but that doesn't lead to anywhere good. Um, I kind of have some, before we wrap up a little bit, um, yeah. So my buddy 09 that I was there with um, two times deployed into Afghanistan with him. Um, And I don't know if this came out shortly after um, uh, the incident with my bunkmate, but um, we always kept saying this afterwards. And I don't know where it actually came from, but we always said uh, we're going to go out there today and drink a cup of badass. And that always was like code for you got to turn it around and be positive. Um, And we're going to rock it today. You know, if, if, if killing it today means like we're loading a lot of, a lot of bombs and that's on, on target, or we're going to kick back and go to the gym or, you know, like at that time, I think we were in crash recovery. So let's hope there was no crashes that day that we had to work on, you know, like whatever that looked like, um, we would say drink a cup of badass all the time. Um, uh-huh. and that kind of stuck with us. And then we, started to like push that out when we got home around to other people. And it started to kind of like change how people were looking at the day, you know, cause most people come into the work, the workplace when they're military, like it's going to be a crappy day. They just have this negative outlook the second they walk through the door. And I'm like, eh, you know, you're going to have to be here 12 hours. Anyways, you might as well make it fun and inviting and have right. a good energy about it. Cause like, you walk out of this place, you're going to get paperwork. You know, you can get court-martialed for leaving your post, you know, or leaving your job detail. So there's nothing you could have changed about your 12-hour day other than your attitude about it. And so we just kind of started sharing that around. Um, And it was kind of fun. Like, if you could put that on a bumper sticker right now, that's probably what uh, we kind of live by. (laughs) You got to trademark that. Yeah, like the, the Greek Stoics, you know, their their philosophy was what happens to you is neither good nor bad. It is. Mm-hmm. And whether yeah. and how you deal with it is what's good or bad. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that drinking cup, cup of badass. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We always just said that, like we would start morning meeting out with that and just kind of rock it. I don't know. It was just a good way. Good way to remind everybody, like let's stay positive, you know? Um, cause even through the day, like stuff could happen that was bad. Like parts were bad or the jet broke or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. you know, let's keep cranking. Yeah. You know, there's nothing you could have done. Interviewed a guy who uh, made a uh, fortune twice in his life. Uh, first time he, he was young and, um, his name is Aaron Walker. I have an interview with him, but mm-hmm. then, uh, he hit a guy with his car and it was found not to be his fault. It was, the guy was, was an idiot. The guy kind of hit him, but he died. Oh, wow. And so Aaron, um, 
as a result, he he didn't choose to be a badass. Uh, instead, he he let it ruin him, and he let it ruin him for five years. Oh wow! And thankfully for him, maybe uh, he had the fortune that he could afford to pay his bills for five years. But wow. then he says that it finally took somebody who cared about him enough to say, "Let's go drink a you know a cup of badass." Uh, and, and get him on his feet and tell him, look, today we're going to stop feeling sorry for ourselves and start rocking. Right. Oh, that's so cool. So he did. And then he built up another fortune and, uh, he's, he's doing very well and he is uh, a light for a lot of guys. He's, he's running, uh, iron sharpens iron back East, uh, somewhere like in Pennsylvania ish. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. What yeah. what's unique there, I think, is the person that got him out of that. Uh huh. That person is amazing. You know, I mean, like he, he's also amazing getting out of it himself. But to have a person that saw that and say, "Hey, let's direct this," oh man, that's so cool. Yeah, that that I, dude. I wish dude more is, people had that person in their life. That dude is a hero times ten, and that's what we're doing actually with the Manalizing Tribes, yeah. is we're building guys that uh that know you and i well enough to say look you're sucking at life right now you're doing x y and z wrong let's let's go drink yeah. a cup of badass together and get both of us <laughs> on track right i love that <laughs> yeah well that, that's what the tribes are and we're just starting them now and and cool. yes i'd like to invite you to one of those oh thank you i would definitely oblige i will join yes yeah and you know right now they're we're this is the very beginning stages we've got uh two tribes a third one in uh that we're starting in north carolina um but nice. uh, you know we'll we'll build it here first and then we'll export it and you know i often talk about trying to describe what manalizing is mm -hmm. um i have a friend and he lives fairly close to me and he is a friend but he does some things that annoy people and as a result, people avoid him. And I recognize that he's weird, but hey, I'm weird. I'm a dork. So, you know, I can't complain too much about him being weird. Mm -hmm. um, but despite the fact that I'm a friend of his, I am not a good enough friend to go to him and say, look, you're doing X, Y, and Z, and it's putting people off. And that's why you're you're wondering why you don't have any friends. Mm -hmm. If I was really his friend, I would be able to say that. I am right. not his friend at that level. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're creating. You know, as a yeah. tribe of friends who who will come to you with stuff that deep. Right. No, I like that. And I think that's crucial. You know, and even as today and society progresses, I think it's going to get more and more vital to have connection like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's put a plug in for, for you and your business. Um, how does Thank somebody you. get a hold of you? So the easiest way to get a hold of our company, if you want, you can always call 801-900-6449. Um, that'll give you our office line and you can get any realtor on our staff if you want to buy or sell a home. If you want me directly, um, you can always look me up online, Facebook, stock me or Instagram or TikTok or whatever. Um, uh -huh. I'm on everything. Just look up TJ. And my last name is McClelland, M-C-L-E-L-L-A-N-D. Uh, or uh, I always give my personal cell phone out there. Like if you ever want to just lean on somebody or come and hang out or come and try karate or whatever, 
Uh, mm-hmm. My personal cell phone number is 801-891-5305. And you can literally text me, call me anytime. Um, I always try to have that out there for people um, just as a resource. So that's the easiest way. How close to being Colton are you on a scale of one to 10 where Colton is a 10? Where are you at? Yep. Oh, man. In karate instruction, I'm like a not even on the scale and he's a 10. Um, and I, I actually had this experience. Um, as soon as I got my black belt, he invited me to do a, a class as the instructor. Um, one, one, one was because he was sick and, um, and two, just cause he wanted to see how I would do. Yeah. And so I went into that class and taught and I realized how skilled, uh, and how, how, um, sharp his craft is. Um, because I was like, I am not good at this. You know, like it was a fun class and people learned and we had a good time and there was some good cardio in there, but, um, at the level that he does it is just, he does it incredibly good. And so, I mean, uh, but then like, in terms of karate black belt, I mean, he like, uh-huh. he's a, four, he's a fourth degree black belt. So when me and him spar, it's like, he's playing mind games with me and I'm over there, like trying to not get hit, you know? And I'm just like, I don't even know what's coming next. <laughs> in terms of, um, I, you know, let me rephrase the question. You know, when, when you run into Colton, you find a guy who, who wants you to be authentic, who, who is authentic himself, who knows who he is and is going to try and give you all the tools to be who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody's, let's say you got a guy from, I don't know, uh, St. George who's calling you up and he says, I need a home, but I don't know if I need a mansion or a tondo. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the guy, and I don't know if my, if my FICO score is 680 or 860. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a guy who's maybe got some damage. Um, yeah. Now I'm asking you, how close to Colton are you for this guy? Not in a fighting scenario, but how how do you love a guy who has issues? And we all have issues. Um, to to be honest, uh, everybody that calls me or texts me, I've really tried to adapt what Colton kind of does, and which is just being very inviting, um, and really putting the positive attitude and the atmosphere out there. Uh-huh. Um, so that's what I've been do- doing with my personal life, and so the way I create that relationship with all of my clients, I mean, they almost become family. Um, and, and hopefully a lot of my past clients can say that if, if they ever get a question. Um, but I really try to make it so that if, if they have a bad credit score or whatever, they're still going to be a human being. And I want to help them achieve their goals in real estate, because that's, that's like the, um, pathway that I've kind of taken, um, that I just have naturally grinded towards. Um, and I find that I can really develop that relationship with somebody where they'll actually tell me all of the things that I need to know to help them achieve that success that they're looking for. And so, I don't know, I'd say Colton will always say that he's uh, always learning, um, which is really cool. He always thinks that, um, I don't want to put words into his mouth, but as karate instructors and people who master their craft, they always feel like they're in learning mode which uh-huh. is really interesting, you know, like being a fourth degree black belt for him really just means he's continuing to learn. Um, and a lot of the, these like 
martial artists, masters or senseis or whatever, um, they honor that they're still a white belt in their mind, right? They're still in a learning mindset. And so, I don't know, I just try to adapt that to my lifestyle. And so when I have people come to me and they want to be in our sphere or my circle and they want to connect, um, I really try to let that happen um, and try not to close people off. So I don't know if that answers in a nutshell. I just like to create that deep connection with people because um, then they'll actually tell me all the information that I need to help them become successful or achieve their goal. Yeah. I think we could go down the road of, of what it means to be a white belt, but that might be another day. Uh, yeah. You should definitely you're... ask Colton. You should ask Colton that. <laughs> But, you know, to me, it, it it means that, you know, you're coming to me and I'm not better than you. I am here to serve. Right. Yeah. I like that. Thank you, TJ. Oh, thank you so much. I, I just want to say how grateful I am that you're out there trying to do this type of work because um, uh, we just all need it, you know, as adults and as men, especially um, there's just not a there's not really a lot of places where we can connect and feel vulnerable and also share all the things that we want to talk about you know like what you had said what manalizing is is talking about the things that we don't talk about um, I think we need more of that and so I'm just very grateful about what you're doing and um, uh, I think that you're on a pathway to help more and more people and become that lighthouse and share that light and spread it um, which I think is important. So thank you. You demand, sir. Uh, thank you. Hey, thank you for listening to this Manalizing podcast. I appreciate it. You know, I don't go hunting for men with big stories and big issues to deal with. I find that pretty much any man that I talk to, he's going to have a story. If you're inspired by what you hear, here's my invitation. Join us. Join Manalyzing, manalyzing.com. Lift and be lifted. Help other men and allow other men to help you. Let's do this together. We look forward to meeting you. Manalyzing.com.